I'm in Genesis chapter number one. Genesis chapter one. I was thinking about a message and I, the love of God came to thought and I began to think about the love of God. And I found it very difficult to explain or express the love of God. Who, who could, the song says, uh, if the sea was filled, what filled with ink and the sky of parchment made, of every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. How do we explain the love of God I will take a stab at something that is so massive, but I would like you to leave this morning understanding how much God loves you in every way and there's such a variety of different nuances of God's love that we experience in our own lives that help us more to understand the love of God. How could we ever understand Jesus Christ coming down from heaven and dying for us? How could we ever wrap our brains around such love? Peradventure, what someone died for a righteous man, but Christ came and died for sinners. What a thing that's just totally against all logical thinking to die for those that don't deserve it, for those that have sinned against God. But we find this tremendous love of God this morning. Father, I pray now as we open your book and we, in a small way, try to explain the love of God for us, literally from the beginning. Bless it now in Jesus' name, amen. Verse number one, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and gathered to, uh, gathering together of the waters he called the seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. You notice that God said, God said, he spoke it into existence. Understand that? He spoke it into existence. I'll stop there momentarily. The first point of the message is this. Before God ever made man, 
God prepared for us before he ever made us. We haven't got to the forming of man yet. But the first thing I want you to understand is that God created heaven and earth. He prepared for us a place called earth that is remarkably amazing planet that, believe it or not, just did not go into existence by happenstance. It was because God spoke it into existence in perfection, and he was preparing it for man, whom he had not created yet. But notice what he did here. He gave light, gave us the seas. I won't read the passage, but he filled the seas with fish. He created the plants. All of it was prior to man. The sixth day he created man. But understand there was preparation that God had made before he made man. I want to bring it to you this morning. This point is this. We have grandchildren, and we, of course, have children prior to grandchildren. Can I tell you, when a child is coming, there's something that we do. We don't wait till the child arrives, especially now we don't. It used to be we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl, but now we generally do know that, unless we choose not to. But understand, even before we knew, what did we do? If especially if it was the first child, we went out and we, we got a crib, whether we went to the thrift store, and probably most of us did that, or we, Grandma gave us one, or we, we, got, we got some kind of a crib, maybe we were able to buy a new one. And we got a mattress for the crib, and we got curtains for the room, and we got, we got everything ready. And we were what? We were preparing. We didn't have the child yet. Our oldest one is Austin. We didn't have him yet. But I will tell you, my wife was making preparation for that child. And I think you ladies understand that. You know the child is coming and there's preparation that is made. Do you understand before God ever formed man, he made preparation for us. Why? Why does mom get a room ready? Because she already knows that she's going to love this child. And she wants everything within their ability financially to be as nice as it can possibly be. Because she already loves this child that has not been born. Moms, I think you all can relate to that. When you think of the love of God, I want you to think about the preparation that God went through to make a perfect place for us to live. Oxygen to breathe, plants that grew to feed us. Even as technology and things have moved on, do you realize that oil and gas were in the earth long before we had any use for them. God, God has prepared for every need and every invention, anything that man could think of that God honestly gives man the ability to know and to invent. The Bible speaks of that, that God gives man knowledge. And so God distributes knowledge in his timing. But what has always been there for us, it's always been there, any need that we have, it doesn't matter what country you grow, go to. They find a way to grow something to eat. God has prepared for us long before he made us, and long in the mind of God to prepare for us. God loves us so much that he was ready for us before he made the earth first. 
He made preparations for the beauty, the sun to rise. At the time, man was living uh, in the Garden of Eden and it had never rained. And understand there was a dew that came upon the earth to water things before God even brought rain in Noah's day. We have so many inventions now that create massive ability to make food or to grow food, tractors and things that are so incredible. Why? Because God has prepared, gives the knowledge to have the tractor because the necessity of mankind that will grow to the billions will need food. So God has prepared for us in every way with the release of knowledge, the speaking of everything into existence that we would ever need in mankind. And it will be that way until he comes again. You don't have to concern yourself with the science. God made it. God is in charge of it. We need to, we need to be right with the earth. And the, we need to take care of it. I agree that we don't need to pollute the earth as, as little as we possibly can. We want to keep it clean. That's proper taking care of what God has given us. But don't ever fret over is God going to meet the need in, man, in, in mankind? He knows the sparrow that falls from the sky. He has numbered the hairs on your head. He knows all. He knows every thought you think. He is God. And I want you to understand how much that God knows you and loves you and has prepared for you every step in your life. Whether it be a sin, God has a second chance for you. We know this happened in the garden. If you look at verses 7 and 8, we see this. He made the earth and divided the waters. You get down to verse 15. We didn't read that far in uh, chapter 2. But you'll find that God made something for man also. And that is God ma made man and he gave him a work. In verse 15 of chapter 2, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. God made work for man right from the beginning. When Adam was put into the garden, he had created already a work. Can I tell you that is a great blessing for mankind? Can you imagine if there was nothing for us to do? Look at, look at, look at the troubles that we have generally in the country. It's people that don't have jobs. It's people that just aren't working. And so what is it God has given to us Men, for us, if we get together, the first thing we're asking about is if we, if we don't know somebody, uh, we're going to say, where do you work, man? What do you do for a living? Oh, I do such and such. Why? Because we always relate to work. God has made us that way. Men, I, I don't think you do. We have hardworking people and men in this church, but don't ever shrink back from work. I say this about work. When you're going to work every day, you wish you didn't have to go to work every day. But as soon as you get laid off, you wish you could go back to work. Amen? That's just the way it is. You think, oh my goodness, I wish I could get back to work. Because why? It's just within us. God has made man to provide for his family. And, and honestly, many women are working. But God give us a job to do. Why did he do that? So we're not just useless people walking around. He gave us, he gave us abilities and talents and we look at what God has done and what man has done as God has released knowledge to mankind and the beautiful structures and buildings and cars and, and race cars. All kinds of things that God has done. 
but it's such a gift to mankind. Everybody that understands a family, what is one of the great favors you'll do for the, your children? Teach them to work. Teach your children to work. Why? Because it will, be, it will bring them to a fulfilling life if they work. And so God gave man instantly a job to do when he put him on earth. Verse number 16 of chapter 2, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in that day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. We know what happened. Eve took of, was beguiled by Satan, the serpent, and she took of the fruit and ate of it and gave to her husband, Adam likewise, knowing I'm certain no, knew exactly the smartest man probably ever was Adam. He was without sin in the Garden of Eden, was formed by God himself. I can't imagine there's anybody been smarter than the original that God made. And so it was not, it was not a, a you know, backwoods country boy. He was very smart. He partook with his wife of the of forbidden fruit. I want you to point out that God has made us people that make choices, people that have free will. God did not make us to have robots. We often think of God and we, we realize that there is eternity and there is heaven and there is hell. And we think, well, why would God do that? Because God gave us a choice. He did not make robots that just automatically would love him. Do you understand without free will, there really is not love? If I just make you do everything that you do, where, where, where do I ever find love in that? If I just, if everything's robotic, how do, how, where, does love, where does love fit into that picture? The necessity of love is that we have choice. We chose somebody that we loved. And that person that we married loved us. We know back in history there was arranged marriages. But we realize now under the New Testament, the Old Testament was God's chosen people, the Jews. And likewise, husbands and wives were chosen in the Jewish economy or their, uh, the way they lived. There was mostly arranged marriages. But we come to the New Testament, we find that there's a whole new way of looking at it. And that is no longer arranged Jesus Christ came, the ultimate marriage, the bride. The bride is us. Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. And he offers to us salvation. And we must make the decision on whether we choose Christ or we don't. We make a choice on whether we're going to believe God's word. We make a choice whether we, what is it? It is the free will of mankind. Without free will, I don't think there can be love. Because I'm just being married to somebody that has to do what I tell them. At that point, they're just a slave. They're just a servant. They just, they're just doing what I say. We're not seeking that from another person. We're seeking somebody who truly loves us. And so when I have my bride and I have somebody that loves me, I begin to understand the nature of God. Because I have someone that loves me. And I love them. We love him because what he first loved us. God loved you from the very beginning. He made preparation for you. Every need we would ever had, God has made it for us. You never walk around with an oxygen tank unless you have a breathing problem. Why? Because we're breathing God's air. 
God never fails. We don't get up to a sun that doesn't rise because God never fails. He meets the needs in our lives. Why? Because he loves us. You say, well, what do you think about evolution? There's no love there. So why would God love us? Why would God send his son to die for us? Why would there be an earth? Why would love even exist in society? The source of all love is God. And when you devote yourselves and you have a marriage between a man and a woman, you understand there's, a, there's, there's love there and you begin to understand the protection that a man feels for his wife and the desire to meet the needs of his family is something that God has put within us and it's something that is very satisfying. It's something that we believe in. It's something that we do. Why? Because we have the love of God within us and we understand how God loves us personally and has taken us in as what he calls his bride. But not only that, do we understand that, but a man and a woman coming together with marriage and if God so wills it, we have children. It's hard to understand the love of God. Why would he send his son to die for us? Unworthy. Why? Because he made us. Why would God send his son to save something that just happened, was out of happenstance? Why, why would God do, do you think God would just send his son to die for something he didn't create? God loved us and so he sent his son I will tell you, dads and moms, you would lay down your life for your children. It's a love that we have for our kids. We, we give to our children presents and we do the best we can to show our children that we love them. And we understand when they, my oldest son's name is Austin and when they place Austin in my arms, it was incredible, incredible feeling of love towards another human being and a protection. And the Lord gave us four sons. And now we have a basket full of granddaughters that are wonderful, actually six, and one grandson. And we have beautiful granddaughters and there's such love for the children. Do you understand moms? that love that you had for that child when that baby was born, those precious children and that, that love and the care, you're having a little taste, a little understanding of the love of God. Why did he send his son? Because he loved us. And we, we look at our children, we realize that we would make sacrifices for them. We would lay down our lives for them. We want them to make it in life because of our great love for our kids. And so when I find that love within myself, I look to God who says to us, call me Father, our Father with yard in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our Father? Really, God? We can call you Father? We sing this song and our theme for this year is the family of God. We want everybody to feel home. Why? Because we're with the family and we feel at home here. And if you're not a member or a regular attender, we, we, we want to make you part of the family. We want you to feel the love of God in this place amongst each other because we understand the love of a family that comes from the love of God. And when we see that little child in our arms and I sat on a little stool and I had Austin in my arms and it was just an unbelievable, unbelievable emotion. 
Now, when Dylan came along, you know, it was no big deal. I said, no, I'm joking. I'm joking, of course. It was a very big deal. All my sons are a big deal to me. Do you understand, though? That's, that's the love. Can you understand the love of God for you, why he loves you so much, why he wants you to live in such a way that's pleasing to the Lord? Not because he's trying to tell you what to do. It's just like us trying to train our children in what's right, what's wrong. Why? Because we want them to have a happy life. And as long as they're just following ways that are going to destroy their lives, it's a heartache for us. And as we get away from God, it's a heartache for the Lord, and he seeks to draw us back to himself. Why? Because of his great love for us. We come to our Lord Jesus Christ, and he's such a picture of love in that he would come and he would lay down his life for us. The Bible speaks of it. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And then he says, ye are my friends. Jesus Christ has given everything because of the love that he has for us. He created everything for us. The greatest beauty of the love of Christ is when Jesus came. It was the love of the Trinity in force for God the Father to give us his son to die in our place. For Jesus Christ to come and live a sinless life for 33 years and allow mankind to crucify him in the most unbelievable fashion, the beatings and all the things that he suffered on the cross. Why? He died in our place. Why would he do it? For the same reason you would lay down your life for your children. God made man, man chose to sin against God, making it impossible for man to go to heaven, to a perfect place. Who wants to go to a heaven where there's all kinds of riots and murder and sin and devastation? We don't want that. We want to go to a place where that, we're leaving that behind. And so sin can't go to heaven. Understand? Because if I go there, guess what? I just destroyed it. I'm not going to shoot you, but I'm not sinless. I'm not sinless. What happens? What we're going to have in heaven? Well, he's, you know, he's a, a, a drug addict, but but not 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 too bad a one. Or he's a liar, but he doesn't lie too much. I mean, where do we draw the line? God says there's no sin in heaven. It's a perfect place, and I made it for you. When I made the earth, I made the heaven for you. But we have to make a free will choice. I use this always at, at, at weddings, but the man always says, I do first. And then the lady says, I do. Jesus Christ has already said, I do to you for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He's made that commitment to you. He said, whosoever. But all of us have to come to the point someday that we have to make that decision to trust the Lord as our Savior. We find in the Garden of Eden that because of sin, God had to remove them from the garden because in that garden was a tree of life, eternal life. And so to keep man from eating of that tree, he expelled man from the garden, placing him on earth, blessing us so much, even though we sinned with such a beautiful planet to be on with all our needs are met.
But at some point in life, we have to understand that that tree of life was given to us again. In the garden, he said, thou shalt not eat of that tree, and when you do, you'll surely die. And they ate of it, and their spiritual death happened right there. Now we come, and here we are on earth, and the tree is now on earth, that tree that they could not partake of in the garden because they were expelled. God said, I'll put that tree on earth. It's the tree of life. It's Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And so this morning, if you find yourself, you've never partaken of the tree of life, you don't know Christ as your Savior, you understand the love of God. You understand he created. You understand Jesus died for your sins. But at some point in life, you are going to have to receive him. You're going to have to make your choice. You have the free will to do it. Honestly, most will not make that choice for Christ. They will reject the Lord and will not be in heaven because they will not partake of the tree of life. Don't let that be you. Take of that tree this morning. Christians, can you understand the love of God this morning a little bit clearer? When you hold that baby in your arms and you just feel that love oozing from you, understand that's the way God looks at you. When that child disappoints you and maybe disgraces your name, you know what? You still love them and you want them back. And you want them to be back in your life again and you want them to come back to the Lord. Why? Because of your great love for them under the worst circumstances. That's the love God has for you. Under your worst circumstances, God still loves you and he wants you to become his child. With every head bowed and every eyes closed this morning, in a moment, Brother Zane is going to come and play a song on the piano and sing a song we call Invitation. This morning, I would challenge you, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, make today the day that you receive him. With every head bowed, every eyes closed, no one, no one looking, no moving about, everybody looking, just eyes closed. This morning you'd say, Pastor, I don't know the Lord Jesus as my Savior. I'm not going to embarrass you or point you out in any way, but if you don't know Christ, you're, you're unsure that you're on your way to heaven. You just don't know. If you're like that this morning, would you just slip up your hand right now? Just, just put it up. I'll, I'll see it. You can take it right back down. We'll call you out, embarrass you in any way. I'm unsure of heaven this morning. Let's all stand together, shall we? Pastor Nelson is down here at the front. The altar is open, Christian. Been doubting the love of God. Know that he loves you. He prepared for you in every way before he ever created man. And he's preparing for you today. He knows everything about your life, and he's making preparation for it because he's God. Don't worry about the next step forward in Christ. Because God knows that step, and he's already made preparation for it. Trust him today. Christian, if you're doubting him, put your faith back in him, not for salvation, but for just following him and trusting him.